I'm Paula Simons, and this is Alberta Unbound. When the Black Lives Matter protests erupted in the United States this past summer, it wasn't long until people across Canada and Alberta started to take to the streets, at first in solidarity with protesters in America, and then, perhaps belatedly, in recognition that Canada too had its own share of systemic racism and its own share of friction between police and communities of color. For a lot of Albertans, it was an epiphany and an opportunity, a challenge to our complacencies and an inspiration to have a homegrown Canadian conversation about race and racism and cultural identity. But now, six months after the death of George Floyd, what lessons have we learned from the Black Lives Matter moment? And how do we sustain the vision of a better, more just and inclusive future that brought Canadians and Albertans out in protest? And how do we integrate a conversation about Black identity with the conversation about Alberta identity? Tomi Ajele is a Calgary journalist, essayist, and social media marketer, and the managing editor of Afros in the City Media. We talked about some of those issues when I spoke to her for Alberta Unbound. So you are uh, one of the founders, creators, bosses of Afros in the City. Can you tell me a little bit about how that project came about and, and what it is? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I should start by saying the organization Afros in the City was started a a while ago um, by a great person here named Doshima. And, um, you know, she had created this organization to essentially just, you know, bring sort of you help unite the black community and bring people together, do a bunch of um, events and promote local art and just those kinds of things. Um, So Afros in the City media was kind of birthed um, out of that. And um, basically Doshima had created this beautiful community where people could just come and connect and it really took off during the summer during Black Lives Matter when there was just so much going on and um, so we started talking within this community and actually one of the main things that came up pretty early on was our frustration with the media coverage that we're seeing um, around the Black Lives Matter protests. Um, So these protests were happening all over the city and it was great to see but we felt like they the media was not being, first of all, these articles we were seeing were not being covered by Black folks in the city. Um, the the writings were lacking a lot of nuance as far as what was going on in the larger global community. And we just felt like there was such an opportunity here to actually have our voices heard and actually be the ones to tell our own stories, which we just felt like was not happening um, specifically in our city, but province-wide as well. So, you know, just with conversations around that, we were like okay is this happening are we doing this let's start a publication um so we started afros in the city media we put out our first issue just this past october and it was really it kind of started almost like a journal entry just as an outlet to kind of tell our stories and um sort of create our own news so to speak and yeah we're really growing that into kind of a slow journalism media platform where we can um provide a bit of social commentary about what's going on in our city and our province, but with a little more context and that actually reflects um, our voices. So do you think that would have happened without the impetus of Black Lives Matter? I don't think so. I think, I mean, 
it's just been such a crazy year, obviously, and such a crazy summer. And I think that everything that has happened has really created the perfect storm um, for a lot of change, a lot of really practical sort of positive um, consequences, you could say. And so, no, I don't think this platform would exist without that. Um, I don't think it would exist without, you know, COVID, at least not right now. Um, I just think it all really created the perfect storm. So. Yeah. Isn't that funny? I guess when life hands you lemons, you got to get out the lemonade stand. And, exactly. And, and get to work. Exactly. Now, I've asked a lot of people that we've talked to as part of this podcast to talk to me about their family's origin story like you're all superheroes. So can you tell me a little bit about how your family ended up in Calgary? Yeah, for sure. So um, both my parents are born and raised in Nigeria. Um, they moved over to Halifax, Nova Scotia, um, just right before they had me. So I have a few siblings. My one brother was born in Nigeria. My parents came over to Halifax and had me and my two sisters. Um, then they moved to Alberta um, because there was work available. So um, that's sort of how we got here. Um, and then since then, and we've been in the city of Calgary pretty much. We've lived in Calgary and a little outside in a small town. Um, but ever since I was very young, we've been in Alberta. And since you are very young, at least to my jaded yeah. eyes. So, <laughs> so that's, that's starting when? Yeah, so I've been out in Alberta since I was about three. So to me, Alberta has, is kind of, has always been home. Um, even though I was born in Nova Scotia, it's just kind of the only home I've ever known. And do you define yourself as an Albertan? I mean, this is sort of the key question I've been asking a lot of people is how, I mean, what their idea of an Albertan is and how they fit into that definition. I mean, how do you identify yourself? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think I definitely, I'm sure like a lot of people, I definitely have this idea of what a like, quote unquote, true Albertan is. And to me, that's like, a white cowboy who loves oil and stampede. <laughs> and like, so yeah, to me, I just have never felt inclined or to identify as an Albertan. To me, that is just a, an identity that has never resonated with me. So how do you define yourself then? Where, I mean, where do you find your sense of identity? Mm hmm yeah, that's a really good question because I think when we talk about like regional pride in general, that's always been a difficult one for me to sort of, um, yeah, take regional pride, especially because of Canada's really um, devastating history and, you know, about this land and all of that stuff. So in general, I think being proud to be like Canadian or Albertan has never really been something um, that I've held to. I've also always really struggled in just finding my identity as a Black Canadian. That wasn't something that I saw reflected a lot, whether, you know, in the media or just around me. It was never really something that um, I, I always struggled to kind of understand how I fit. As a Black Canadian, I always, um, that was a repre representation that I never really saw. And I found myself constantly kind of looking for that identity. Like, where do I actually fit? You know, consuming a lot of media and TV as a kid. Um, the closest thing I could kind of latch onto was like the African-American experience. And so I think I would kind of look at that and be like, 
okay, I think that's me. I think that's where I get my identity. Yet it felt so different from what I was experiencing here in Canada. So yeah, when you ask about identity, that's a tricky one for me because it's something that I've been trying to navigate for a while and figure out, you know, where do I find that, you know? And I think right now, a lot of where that identity comes from for me is just claiming my own what feels like my own unique story, which I actually think isn't that unique. You know, there are a lot of, you know, second generation, third generation, fourth generation, black Canadians um, who have a very similar experience. And so I think for me, it's just kind of almost carving out that niche for myself and figuring out, no, this space does exist. And, um, you know, there is a real identity here. You wrote a really interesting essay that I was enjoying um, a while ago in which you talked about how in your childhood you decided you were going to be a real Calgarian and a real Canadian. And that involved memorizing a lot of statistics about the Calgary Flames. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. So, I mean, was there like, I mean, I guess an oscillation between wanting to fit in and then also wanting to be your own true self? Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, when I was younger, that need to fit in just took over. It took over completely. So yeah, absolutely. I was like, I am going to be a real Calgarian. I'm going to love hockey. I'm going to get into all of these things. And so I think that just created slowly a deeper sense of alienation because by the time <laughs> I kind of woke up, I was like, I'm really deep into this, like this identity that I've sort of tried to really build for myself and it's not really working and now I kind of have to claw my way out and try to figure out what it does mean to be my true self as you're saying so you know it it can get complicated but I think there were for sure those hallmarks for me of this is what it means to be Calgarian or Albertan and I should try to be those things yeah you in the same essay you referred to yourself uh it was a lovely expression as an intimate stranger and I wondered if you could tell people what you meant by that. Yeah, I, uh, I love that piece. I was quoting, um, I believe it was Andre Alexis that had said that in one of his pieces, but um, it was such a beautiful way to, to put it. I'm referring to his work, not mine, <laughs> um, the intimate stranger. And it basically speaks to um, the experience that a lot of, I think, immigrant uh, children of immigrants feel, so second generation um, Canadians might feel, where you kind of, you have your parents who come and they're clearly foreigners, you know, I put that in air quotes, but they're clear for, clearly foreign, you know, they have their accents and, um, you know, they have their, the way they dress and they have all of these things. And um, it's almost, it's almost delightful for people to look at, you know, they can clearly identify that. The exoticism, the romance. Yeah, exactly. You have that romance, you have that exoticism and they kind of see you. And, and then when your kids are born here, it's this sort of unique kind of experience because you're looking at them and they kind of have that exotic romantic sense, but they talk like you and they dress like you and they come from where you come from. And so that experience that you have in that way is intimate. It's like you, you're the same, but they're a stranger because they're not like you and um, they won't be accepted into that space. And so I think that was something that I was coming to realize, like that was how I felt. That was that experience that I felt I had where I was that intimate stranger, where I was saying, we're the same. We were born in the same place. We've been having a very similar, we have, we're surrounded by a very similar culture, um, yet we're strangers and live entirely different lives. Yeah. You know, I mean, Alberta's Black community 
is very has a very particular history and evolution. And you're right. I mean, so many of the pop culture images we have, so much of the discourse is predicated on the, the Black American experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we have that. And we also have this other thing, which is that to the extent that there is a very sort of loud and outspoken Black Canadian identity, it tends to be either a Toronto Black identity or maybe a Halifax Black identity. Mm-hmm. It, isn't, it isn't the Alberta Black identity. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how do you... I mean, maybe you don't need a template to follow, but I mean, how do you explain to people the very unique history of this place? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I was really, I've really recently been discovering that for myself because just like you said, when I thought about that rich um, history that the Black community in Canada does have, I thought about, yeah, Toronto and, and Halifax in those spaces, but Alberta has such a rich history. And I think a lot of that has unfortunately been hidden for a really long time. And, and I'm not sure why, like, you know, we have, um, Amber Valley, which is just this huge, um, sort of huge mark on, on our, on our history. And it was something that I didn't learn about for a really long time. And yeah, that and, whole, know, that whole Oklahoma, and I should explain for people who are not from Alberta. Yeah. <laughs> this, was, this was a diaspora of people who had left largely Oklahoma. So they were either freed slaves or the children of freed slaves. And uh, they came sort of in a, in a great migration to mm-hmm. North central Alberta, to Amber mm-hmm. Valley, Barhead places, North and, you know, north and north uh, west of Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a part of me wondered, like, okay, is it is it because this group of people were seen as kind of that like displaced American? Um, because, like you were saying, as they did come from Oklahoma, that we didn't sort of categorize this as a unique Alberta. Um, community like I'm not sure why those stories weren't told more um you know in schools and during Black History Month and all of those things I'm not sure why they were kind of kept away and hidden but yeah these communities were so big and rich and they had children and those children had children and so you have these people who are second third fourth generation Black Albertans and um yeah that's I think that's a question that I'm still asking like where where were those stories, you know? So with Afros in the City, you're serving a community and collating stories that come from such different places. I mean, there are those, you know, those fourth and fifth generation Black Albertans. Then there are all of the people who are, you know, the, the second and third generation descendants of the people who came sort of after 1967 when immigration laws liberalized and there was a, 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 a significant number of people who came to Alberta from places like Nigeria and Ghana and Jamaica and, and, uh, and Trinidad. Mm-hmm. And then there's the sort of the East African diaspora, Somali, Ethiopian, Eritrean, and then more recently, the West African uh, who've come from places like Rwanda and Congo, some of whom are Francophone. So, you, I mean, you've got a really, and then, and then you do have people who are Americans who've, who've come mm-hmm. here from the States and have mm-hmm. that whole historic experience. So how do you create a platform where all those different voices come together and have some shared sense of identity that's, you know, that's more than pigment. Right. I think that's a really good question. And that's been a big sort of wake up call for me in the past few years where I think in my own struggle and feeling like I, 
um, maybe wasn't being heard, I think I often forgot that there are so many different ways to be Black in Canada. And I think I got kind of caught up in my own story. And, you know, this is when we talk about the Black community, you know, what does that even mean? And I think that that is so important what you said. There are so many different experiences. There are so many, I mean, being Black is just one thing that unites us all. And yes, we do have similar experiences in a lot of ways. Um, but our, our experiences, our lives are also so incredibly different. And so I think that's a really big important thing for us is actually including these people um, in this platform. You know, we're going to be building up a membership base. And a big thing that's important for us is to have our members actually tell their stories and us to be able to publish that on our platform. At the end of the day, the last thing we want to do is create a further alienating experience where people are like, well, the black community is speaking, but it still doesn't represent me. You know, that's almost, that's yeah. almost worse. So I, I think it's so important that we don't sit here and say, we speak on behalf of the black community and this is what the black community is saying, um, but instead create a platform where anybody, you know, in Alberta, in, Can uh, in Calgary, who identifies as black feels like they can come and tell their story and share and learn and get practical tools for existing and, and being human. And I think, yeah, big part of that is sharing the stage and passing the mic for sure. Because I mean, that's the horrible irony is that you have people who are connected in some ways by the racism of, of the other community. Absolutely. You know, by, by the kind of person who says, I don't see, you know, I, as a non-black person, you know, all I see is your blackness yeah. and, not, and not the, the extraordinary richness and diversity and multiculturalism of the black community here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're so right that that is a lot of where that shared experience comes from, you know, unfortunately, but again, I think having that platform and being able to um, have a space where you can go and, and feel like you belong, even if it's because of, of, you know, your trauma, um, I think still creating those spaces is so important. So what do you want people, I mean, obviously, you want this to be a platform and a space where people from the Afro-Canadian community come together, feel heard, share their stories. But what do you want all the rest of us to take away? Yeah, good question. I think we had to wrestle with that in the beginning where we said, you know, who is this for? Um, you know, why are we doing this? And we kind of went back and forth and we landed on the fact that this platform really is for Black folks and allies. And we want it to be a space where, um, yeah, Black folks can come and, and read and, and hear their stories reflected, get tools, get tips, um, those kinds of things. But allies can also come and poke in and learn. And while that's not our primary focus, our primary focus is this isn't an, an educational tool for the white community. We absolutely encourage people who, um, you know, want to come in and want to um, be allies to the Black community to listen to these stories and, and come and really try to get a bit more of an intimate understanding of these experiences. But I also understand too, I mean, if, if you don't want to spend your time doing the emotional labor of mm -hmm. 
of helping everybody else. Well, and absolutely. Up. And I think that's exactly what we had to say in the beginning where we were like, you know what? No, this isn't going to be an educational tool. This isn't going to be a platform where we sit down and we kind of hash out racism and we say, this is what looks like and you might be racist if like we were like this is not what we need to be spending our time doing so absolutely we wanted to focus that primary the primary goal is to be a community building initiative to sort of come and talk about um you know art and experiences and all of these things that um you know are of interest to and affect the black community and um you know allies are absolutely welcome to come and, and read along but that's, I mean, that's the thing, to ground it in your experience as a Calgarian, as an Albertan, Absolutely. so that this isn't, this isn't about some amorphous sense of North American identity. It's about the, it's about the very particular place where you, have, you and your family have put down your roots. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that um, that hyper local angle as well is something that often these marginalized um, communities really miss out on. I think, you know, hyper local sort of news and media can be really interesting. And if you're a part of a marginalized community like the black community, that's often something that you don't get. So I think to be able to offer like a a Calgary-focused, slow journalism platform for Black people um, in Calgary. I just think it's really exciting. So I'm going to end by asking you a question I've asked a number of people over the course of these recordings. You could be living anywhere. You could have moved to Toronto. You could have moved to the United States. You could have, you know, you, you could you could write your own ticket to where you want to go. I mean, not not in the middle of a COVID pandemic, but yeah. <laughs> so what is it that made you decide that Calgary and Alberta were, were where home was for you? Hmm. Yeah, I think for better or worse right now, at least Calgary, um, Calgary does just feel like home. And I think it's largely because that's, that's where I've put down roots. That's where my family is. That's where my community is right now. Um, and I think while I can say, you know, I don't identify as an Albertan or a Calgarian and Stampede's not my thing. And I can say all of those things. Well, I should say, obviously I do frequent Stampede and have enjoyed it. So <laughs> I, I mock it. I mock it endlessly. But then I went the other year and it's like, this is a blast. So <laughs> you can't even. Um, but I think while I can say those things, you know, for better or worse, this is where I've put down my roots right now. And, um, and I have a community here that, that I love. And yeah, I think for now, that's, that's what keeps me here. Are you still cheering for the flames? You know, I haven't been keeping up as much, um, but I'm always, I'm always ready to go back and jump back in. And the Flames will always be my, my team. Thanks again to Tome Ajele, the managing editor of Afros in the City Media. And thanks to all of you for being a part of this important conversation and for your support of Alberta Unbound. Alberta Unbound is edited and produced by Ame Charnalia. If you're enjoying our second season, please consider leaving a review on your favorite podcast site. And please consider sharing these episodes with your own social media community. I'm Senator Paula Simons. Keep safe, keep well, and please... Keep listening.